Our second reading today comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And today I'm going to be reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message. While Jesus was living in the Galilean hills, John, called the baptizer, was preaching in the desert country of Judea. His message was simple and austere, like his desert surroundings. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. John and his message were authorized by Isaiah's prophecy. Thunder in the desert, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. John dressed in a camel hair habit, tied at the waist by a leather strap. He lived on a diet of locust and wild field honey. People poured out of Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordanian countryside to hear and see him in action. There at the Jordan River, those who came to confess their sins were baptized into a changed life. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes! What do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snakeskins is going to make any difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you could pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are honestly a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you. And a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house. He's going to make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. The word of the Lord. So, like we said, we're continuing our journey towards Advent, on, during Advent, heading towards Christmas. We're thinking a lot about what does it mean to go on a journey. We haven't quite gotten to Christmas yet. You know, Jesus is not quite here yet. Our display is steadily getting a little bit busier, but over time, we continue to work our way towards the journey. And last week, we talked a little bit about living in the already but not yet, the preparation of the meal at Thanksgiving. Remember, we talked a lot about that and how we are people who often live in the already but not yet. And so in the second week of Advent, we are in the already but not yet. We've started our new year and we're headed towards Christmas. So what do we do in these few weeks? Well, oftentimes, if you're going to start a journey and you're right at the beginning... We talked about here. One of the first things that we're probably going to do is consider our mode of transportation and the way that we want to direct it. Now, we'll do that a couple different ways. If we've got a car, we might use the GPS. If we're riding on a train, which Amtrak is still a thing, I promise. But more likely, if we're going to do some long-distance travel, we're probably going to get on a plane, right? And those planes are oftentimes point-to-point methods of travel. Unfortunately, 
As far as I know, none of us are probably wealthy enough that we can just take our own personal air vehicle, lift it up from one place and set it on another. If you are, though, please let me know because I would love to experience that. Um, no, we got to go to an airport, right? We got to go haul of our, all of our stuff. We've got to take it through the security. We got to go sit down and then we got to get annoyed at everybody who has to get up right away when the plane touches down because you're not going anywhere for 15 minutes. Really, you're just bonking your head on the top of the thing. And then we had to figure out what to do afterwards. Sometimes we might rent a car. Sometimes we might have family come and get us. Or we may hail a taxi. Or perhaps we will use Uber or any of those other. Now, how many of you have ever used Uber for any of your travels? Okay, so a good proportion of you. And if you haven't, here's basically how it goes. is You have an app on your phone and... It's kind of fun. You um, say, I need to get to, to a certain address. You see this map of a bunch of little cars that look like, I mean, honestly look like those things. And they're kind of driving around the map. And you say, I need to get from the airport to the place I'm going. And then somebody will decide, I'm okay with taking that trip. So then you'll find out, okay, this person is going to take me from the airport to my destination. And when I take an Uber, it's kind of fun because I get to know the person. I usually will ask them some conversations. I feel weird sitting in the back seat, so I often will sit in the passenger seat and just ask, you know, what's it like to be an Uber driver? What are things that you experience? And so I feel like at the end, I I tend to make a, a new friend along the way and get to experience a little of their lives. Imagine that this Christmas, you're on your way home. You decide to take an Uber. And you look and you're starting to see who's selecting, and you see this five star rated. Thousands of people have decided to pick this person, and their name's John. And you think, okay, this sounds great. I'll uh, take a trip with John back home. And then you finally see him as he rolls up, and it's a kind of a beat-up car. It looks like it's been out in the desert for years. You're not too concerned until, of course, you sit down in the car and you see him. He's got like a hairy shirt on. I mean, who wears that? It's tied. It's not even a good belt. It's like, I don't know, we found something on the side of the road and just sort of knotted it together. All right, this is starting to get a little weird, but you got to get home. Then you notice the snacks he has in the console. From what you can tell, you can kind of make out the honey. But the other, they look like grasshoppers. And they're not even like chocolate coated, so you can't tell. I mean, they're like legit grasshoppers. You're starting to get a little nervous, but again, you've got to get home, and you are not one to judge. You are a good, thoughtful person, and so you say, yeah, people are different. So you get in the car, and you say, I need to head to a specific direction. I have to get home. Driver, get me to 45 Park Avenue, please. And I think, you know, I think the fastest way this time of day is if you head up 23 because there's less traffic. You know the path. You've been here before. You're going home, the place where you've grown up. 
You know the roads really well. Well, then John says to you, no! No, we will not go that way. We are going a different direction. You have to reconsider the way that you're going. Your fingers start to tap nervously. Who does this guy think he is? I do not think this is how they train Uber drivers. You're ready to start already giving him a one-star rating. You're ready to report him. You just want him to take you where you need to go. And as soon as you say that, he says, you're a snake. This was a bad choice. You should have rented a car. Because then at least you wouldn't have somebody calling you something that is venomous, that literally you will insert poison into somebody else. I feel like there's days I wish we would call each other brood of vipers more often. I feel like that would really liven things up and debate. And moreover, he tells you that even though you grew up here, even though you had lived in this area as long as you have, really doesn't mean much of anything. That there are people who show up here all the time. Just because you think you know the right way means a bunch of nothing. And so, yeah, now you've given him one star. You've passed the point. Um, you're wondering how he got through the background checks. I mean, somebody should have noticed the grasshoppers ages ago. But then he says to you, I think there's a better way to go home. He says, I think there's a better way to go home than what you're accustomed to. That there might be, dear passenger, something more. Something almost unimaginable. A place where your family is But there are better roads, there's better scenery, there's little traffic. Somehow everybody actually merges appropriately. I mean, it's kind of nice. Now, you're probably still going to give him one star because who calls you a snake on the way home? feels a little harsh. But maybe you're intrigued now and you're not too scared, so you say, all right, let's, let's go that way. And you know what? He's right. And as you journey with him, you notice something almost familiar about him. The strangeness of his ways seemed to fade away because it seemed like he knew what he was talking about. And as you finally get home and you're ready to reverse that one star, you might give him three because it was still a weird experience. And he says, don't worry about paying me. Because my reward has already been given and it's been paid in full. We talk a lot about journey together. It's a theme that we talk about a lot, that our lives don't have to be done alone. When I look around this room, I see many people who we can share this journey together. 
And we are a people continuously on the move. It is very rare as Christians, we get a chance just to sit and linger. But oftentimes what we don't talk about are the people who have come before us, the people that we can experience year after year and moment after moment who have also gone on the journey with us. Romans today reminds us of that in part. If you remember that first verse, Paul writes, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. When we think about the scripture that's in front of us, It's so easy to think about it as a series of rules that dictate how we should live our lives well. Or it's an instruction manual. Or it's some neat ideas that happened a long time ago that make no sense to today. But what if we saw the scripture as a series of stories that reminded us of who we are? and a series of companions that go with us in this journey even today. Instead of looking at it as a GPS, we may look at it as the driver who helps us and guides us home. And it gives us stories of hundreds of people, some that were good, some that were completely evil, some that don't really have anything, they're kind of indifferent, but they all are living in response to a God who has set this entire world in motion. And each of these people today, I think, can be as close to us as the person driving us home in our Uber during the Christmas season. It could, that person could be as close to us as the one who is going to teach us downstairs or who's going to fix the meal or who has fixed the meal today. Those stories, those people in our text are as real to us as the ones that are right next to you today. And it's interesting because Advent gives us a unique opportunity to not just see the folks in our text as artifacts in history, but friends in faith being brought alive again. After all, isn't that why that we spend every year going back and celebrating a Jesus that's born again? I mean, y'all, it happened. And we already know the extra part of the story that he's going to grow up, and he's going to do ministry, and he's going to die, and he's going to get resurrected. But somehow, every year we're going to come back, and we're going to say, but we got to make sure to celebrate baby Jesus coming into this world. And if we believe that, if we think that's important, so important that it's one of those times that, boy, you will be here to celebrate baby Jesus, why don't we think the rest of the people in this scripture do the same for us? Jesus is not antiquated, then neither are the rest of the stories. If we need to learn about what does it mean to repent, John tells us to repent. Boy, you know who's a great one to learn about repentance is David. And though maybe we don't know exactly what it is to have gone through what David goes through, boy, do we know the sense of grief once we realize our lives have to change. Don't we know what it's like to lament when we have to make that change? Repentance is something that is demonstrated by the people who are with us in Scripture. It could be like John talks about, 
talking about Abraham and his boldness that he traveled from one place to another foreign lands to be able to establish a people that were going to be as numerous as the stars. Or it could be Moses who in his strength brought people out of captivity and into a promised land. But y'all, Moses was also kind of a wimp. You know, before the whole thing where he says, let my people go, he's like, man, I stutter, God. I am lousy at speaking. And God still says, go and do it. Boy, how often do we get in those kind of situations? God calls us to something. God, listen, I don't really like talking to people. I don't, I'm not really good at that. And God says, I know. Go do it anyway. Moses is our companion on our journey even today. As Christians, if we believe the center of our faith is the one that says, that John says is coming, then perhaps each of these folks come with us too. Perhaps the great cloud of witnesses that gets talked about is heading to where we're going. That maybe it's not a straightforward journey. Gosh, John tells us that. It's not so easy to just say, oh, I'm going to go get baptized. I'm going to go. John invites us to consider that in this journey, there are twists and turns and U-turns and chances to recalculate. And why does this GPS not work? And we have to pull out our map again and again. But we can head that way. We can head towards the manger again. We can spend time at home be with the one who loves us more than we can understand. We can experience that life. And so as we work on building our Advent area here, we lay Scripture. Because it's part of our journey. And not just because it's a book, but because it is living stories. That your story is drawn up into this story as well. So as we walk, and as we journey together, let us remember the ones who have gone before us, the ones who guide us in our vehicles towards home, the ones who tell us we don't know where we're going, and invite us to a better way. Because where we're going is where Jesus meets us again. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of the journey. And thank you for never abandoning us. Thank you for walking with us along the way. And for bringing the saints along with us. Help us to know that we're loved. And then even if we don't know exactly the way that we're going, we know where we're headed. In your son's name we pray. Amen.